0: good afternoon sir good afternoon d how's it going
1: how you doing man long time long time no coming i'm very very excited for this man
0: yeah for sure uh, i'm doing great
1: that's that's good that's good good to hear so i'm just going to start off i'm gonna start off right to it with the right question because i know everybody knows you you're like a worldwide chess player H- how did you discover the game of chess man
0: how did I discover the game of chess well um, I believe it was when we moved uh, from Buffalo Grove to Gray's Lake it was in the middle of like third grade and it, we moved to like around winter time so there was nothing there's no like outside recess so I learned how to play chess there I didn't really like it and then uh, in fifth grade I saw a chess book on a kid's desk. And I was just very surprised that they wrote books about chess. And just it wasn't something that occurred to me. And so I checked a book out at the local library. It was uh, Yasser Sarawan's Play Winning Chess. And that was it. I was hooked from there. Okay, so... It was definitely not love at first sight. I'll say that. (laughs) Okay, so how do we
1: go from, like not love at first sight to becoming this phenomenal chess player you know what I'm saying you are like take us through the development stages of young
0: Gopal oh man I, I read a lot of books um, yeah I mean I had like a few people I worked with uh, early on um, not really like a lot of steady coaching um, uh, one of the biggest influences was uh, senior master Dave Pankalski from Wisconsin, uh, he's like 2400 USCF, and I think he won one year the US Open Blitz uh, Championship. And so, like you know, uh, sparring with him and analyzing with him and getting some of his uh, recommendations really helped further my love of the game. Um, but I've gone, I've gone through a lot of periods in my life without any coaching, uh, like steady coaching. And so, I mean, I, I've read a lot of books. Uh, I mean, I have, if you could see behind me, just like stacks uh, stacks of chess books that won't fit on my bookshelf. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of interesting because, like, I feel like I was one of the last generations that uh, grew up kind of without YouTube, like, or at least this big YouTube explosion of chess learning. hmm you know, I'm. I, I still remember where there was like hardly any chess content on there, and then you know some of the OGs came in uh, and started doing their thing. Uh, but yeah, like uh, really a lot of uh, a lot of bookwork. But you know, I'm I'm lucky in that a lot of strong players uh, gravitated towards me uh, because you know I would either ask them like difficult questions that were intriguing or. You know, maybe they saw something in me. So I'm thankful for that as well.
1: Okay, that's phenomenal. Now, uh, like you said, me being a chess player too, when do you realize, hey, this is something that, you know, I'm starting to get good at and you start to realize that I'm better than a lot of people. Like, when did you hit that age where you realize, hey, man, I could could really do this?
0: I don't know. It was something I always kind of wanted to do. Uh, even now, I would say I'm like definitely like on the underachieving side uh, of chess players. Like I, I would say, when when I I was a kid, I was definitely never the the highest rated player amongst my age group or like you know flavor of the month that type of thing. But like I I stuck with it, and like I'm still like one of the very few uh, players like that still plays, like, kind of actively, for my generation. I mean, there are still plenty, like, Eric Rosen uh, would Mm -hmm. be one, you know, he's uh, crushing it right now. Um, Akash, of course, is another um, who you've had previously uh, on this podcast. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I just, it was something I always, like, kind of wanted to do, and, and so I would say, man, maybe... Uh, this is so hard to say, like maybe around high school, you know, but I was already like thoroughly hooked, you know, mm-hmm. so like I would say watching, uh, I think the, the December, December 2005, I think I played this tournament, uh, it was like a class tournament and, uh, I managed to, to win first place in this, uh, it was like class A and B or something like that. And I achieved a 2200 performance rating, um. And I believe I was like 1500 something and then I, I skipped over 1600 and I went to like 1737. So like that kind of, uh, that kind of really furthered uh, my ambitions. I remember it was a special day because it was a two day tournament and I think Richard Pryor had passed away uh, during that weekend. So that's, that's uh, if you can place that uh, where you were back then, that's, that was the time.
1: Wow, the crazy thing about me and you is, mm-hmm. I remember playing you before I ever met um met you, and we played at the I believe it was the Chicago Open, uh Blitz tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. I think about three four years ago, and I remember the game. I played the C three C seven. I think it was like E four C five C three. You went D six. I went D four. You played Knight D seven. Oh, and, okay. Uh, you may I, I remember, remember those days. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was before the Detroit versus Chicago uh, event had happened. and That was way like,
0: before that, man. That was uh, many years.
1: Yes. And, like, you you, you, you crushed me. I mean, I played you first round. Then I ended up playing the, uh, a GM, like, a couple rounds after that. Oh, okay. You have this reputation of being, like, when it comes to speed – And blitz chess, like world class. Where do you think like that comes from? You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, I don't know. I don't know if I would. I would say world class. I mean, probably like in in the U.S., I would say I'm 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 okay. Like I think I was. I'm like maybe top, definitely top fifty. I think I was like top thirty or twenty five at some point uh, in the U.S. So I wouldn't really say world class, but that really uh, came from a lot of late nights on ICC. Like, I would play obsessively on ICC and like, just grinding my rating, uh, playing against a lot of really strong grandmasters, uh, and just kind of learning stuff uh, like that with regards to Blitz. You know, certain techniques and stuff that can be applied are really only relevant to, to Blitz. And not so much to slow games uh, Which is, I would say Kind of why my slow chest suffered for a while But um, but yeah, definitely Cutting my teeth against very strong Grandmasters uh, You know, Going back for more like Having to survive near adoptions And then trying <laughs> to figure out what I did wrong And then going back uh, For some more
1: Right, because I've talked to William Armill, I've talked to Akash I've talked to Louis Green They speak highly of your intuition and your blitz skills and when i always bring you up they always bring up grandmaster. you see what i'm saying they just yeah. and that's uh i think that's a, a accomplishment that they just believe and i believe you're you know what i'm saying have the talent to get there but how do you feel when people give you them comparisons? Like, you're a national master. When they think of you, they just say, automatic, oh, he's GM. He's beating GMs. I mean, I talked to William Armia We in Chicago for the nationals. He talked about you for, like, two, three hours. Talking about your opening prep and, mm-hmm. you know, just how you are. I mean, how does that make you feel just being a national
0: master? I mean, that's very sweet. You know, people, <laughs> I mean, they can say what they want. I mean, I like, okay, I, I'm above... I've been above 2,500 uh, USCF for Blitz for think, the time since they had the Blitz ratings. Um, and I think I could maybe play at like a very low GM level um, at Blitz. But um, yeah, I mean, it's very flattering. Like, I think uh, you mentioned the uh, opening preparation. I mean, that's a very specific interest of mine because like Open preparation is a very tangible uh, form of chess improvement. Perhaps the most tangible form, because mm-hmm. if you have a new idea, or you fix a hole in your repertoire, or like you know something went wrong in the game, and immediately you can patch that up, then like you you really feel like you've gained something. Um, so I mean, I spent like a lot of time with that, and so like that, I think I could do at a at a grandmaster level. Like I've I've been. For example, second of uh, Grandmaster Nikola Mitkov for, like, over six years now. Wow. Yeah, so we work together with him, prepare some openings. Like, I'll come, you know, kind of with some questions. Well, hey, what do you intend against this? Or, like, I keep up to date with the latest literature. Like, okay, this book is saying that. And what's your response? And then we work on it. You know, stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, like... I think I can play at that level, and I've, I have a few decent scalps uh, in classical chess as well, so. Yeah, you posted a good game
1: against Nigel Short. You uh, pushed <laughs> his mothercat cap back, Blue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay in Detroit. So, let's talk about the Detroit versus Chicago match, because that was the first time a lot of players from Detroit were introduced to you.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, how was that experience mm-hmm. for you? I mean, it was fun. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. Like, leaving in the morning and like coming there to play, and then we played all those games continuously. And as it, as we as we know, we, we didn't even play the entire match. Like, skipping like the last two rounds, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect. I and I was. I have to say, I was really. Uh, I guess surprised like like pleasantly surprised in that you guys had quite the collection of uh sleepers you know a lot of players i that like for example everybody brings up irv um like that was uh like he was very difficult opponent to face uh you know very strong you had a bunch of players in that category that were that were punching well above their uh their speed on paper you know uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't really know uh, exactly what to expect, but it, it was it was quite pleasant. I mean, I would definitely do something like that again. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely like a, a great match. You know, hopefully, when uh, it's safer to do so, uh, something like that will happen again. Okay, so if if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. as you as a coach, you've helped
1: coach uh, George
0: Lee uh george lee no no i haven't really no i haven't worked with him I, he might okay, have okay. sat in on some of my uh warren scholar lectures or something but no i wouldn't i wouldn't claim uh that i coached him not at all okay okay i, I apologize for that
1: you're gonna so going forward I, I noticed that you and the has a, a great relationship and uh he actually to me manned up and played lionel davis in the match That was very, very hyped. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) you were the first person to say, Akash wins this match easily. It's pretty much not worth watching. Can you give me your opinion or your Stephen A. Smith or Terry Terry Atlas breakdown of that match? And why were you so 100% confident in uh, Akash Money's capabilities of winning that match easily?
0: um you know it's funny you mentioned Stephen A Smith like to be honest I really I I really don't like watching sports at all but but I love Stephen A Smith I think he's awesome um uh, so anyway with that match like okay Akasha's record in the cage matches it kind of speaks for it, it speaks for itself like I've also been with him too when he's played some of those matches and just kind of uh, seeing like where his head's at. Uh, when things are going well and where things are not going well. um, You know, he's, he's ready to make the necessary adjustments. And like, especially if things are not going well, the great quality that he has is he's just willing to get it done. uh, Not really caring about how pretty it looks. Um, I mean, there's that. And I mean, as far as uh, Lionel Davis, like I, I, I feel like he, while he has some interesting ideas uh, with regards to chess or how it should be played, I mean, I think the rating difference speaks for itself. And plus Akash is a—he's uh, wicked fast. And sometimes, like, you see this even in slow games. Um, the players who play fast uh, can win games only just by doing that. You know, the clock can act as an extra chess piece. And you're putting a lot of pressure on your opponent when you were constantly like working that clock. So yeah, I really didn't think, uh, that would be much of a contest to be honest, but okay.
1: <laughs> I understand. Cause when I interviewed Akash, I said, cash. Lionel always screams about this, uh, night, a six modern stuff, which you want to do. And I remember him telling me, D if he plays, uh, night, A six and I have white, I'll just open up with night, a three.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh,
1: It was funny, but it let me know that Akash is one of them players that, if like boxing, if you want to get messy, we can get messy. And I knew it was going to be uh, entertaining, and uh, I look forward to seeing Akash play again. And I would love to, I think Akash is 2,400 strength, uh, OTB. I just think he
0: has to play more. You agree with that? Uh, I don't know, about 2400 strength. I would say he definitely, like, can appreciate and, like, understand chess on that level. Um, but, like, so part of the reason why I would disagree is kind of, like, telling in your statement. Uh, that, you know, he's willing, okay, whatever, he's playing knight a6, I'll play knight a3. Like, Akash, by the way, I don't know if he referenced it in your podcast, I can't remember. He made a good video on the sodium attack, which is one knight a3. Mm -hmm. Um... But the reason why he does that is not just so... It, it's not just like, I can get messy, you can get messy, whatever. It's it's more like, I'm doing it because I can. Because I'm trying to style on you, you know? <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, Akashi is a very, very good appreciation for aesthetics. He's definitely one of the most uh, creative uh, players in my friend group, for sure. Um, just the way he thinks about things and in chess and in the world um yeah it it definitely like it's really it's really you know lovely to to talk about chess with them but like you know in order to to reach like a very high level at chess like you what you have to see is like even even i would say with players like emory tate you know like the the creativity was just out of this uh out of this world you know but the reality, especially now, is that you have to be a lot more robotic and disciplined um, in your choices uh, throughout all phases of the game, you know? And so, like, if you want to achieve the best results, you have to kind of play like how you think a win machine would play. Like, if you were to design just a chess player that was just a straight-up win machine. Um, like, like, look at Carlson. He does everything... Uh, so well on a high level you know uh, Nakamura for for Blitz for example um, you know it's not super flashy but like it's a lot of uh, you know repeatable dependable things uh, and decisions that they're making so that's a huge with part the,
1: with that being said who are some of your favorite chess players of all time
0: That is, that's a really tough question, Um, you know, I really love Steinitz, uh, especially like in the last few years I've I've studied like so many of his games, very, like so many of the modern principles that we take for granted, like even certain defensive uh, moves or or motifs that are intuitive for uh, players much lower rated than you or me. can probably be attributed to him uh, for strengthening defense and formulating a lot of the principles that we hold true today. Um, like he's definitely one of my favorite players. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, there are definitely certain players who I would say like I haven't uh, appreciated as much, but like definitely like all the world champions for sure, uh, and and in their own unique way, like Smizlov. I believe he's mm-hmm. uh, often overlooked um, in like in a lot of like world champion uh, conversations, but like his games are so lively. Like he introduced so many new ideas in the opening that you know not all of them are super topical, but just playing over his games is really uh, beautiful. You know, uh, Vladimir Kramnik even said that. If there was such a thing as the truth in chess, uh, Smyslov would be the closest thing to that. Uh, You know, you kind of get the feeling that he makes his moves just with a very light touch, like he's drinking his morning coffee and reading his newspaper. Um, You know, so, like, definitely him, uh, David Bronstein, of course, uh, Leonid Stein, I mean, Tal, uh, of course, whose imagination wasn't captured by Tal. Uh, when there we go. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Petrosian too, especially, like, Petrosian, um, maybe not the most, like, glamorous of world champions, but uh, just his totally suffocating, uh, prophylactic style of play was really... uh, It's really great to watch, just because you... Just how machine-like and implacable he is, just slowly but surely... You know, getting there. Um, yeah, his games are lovely to watch. Like, really, just a master of strategy.
1: I'm glad you said that, Nate, because after that, I, I've had this argument. Mm-hmm. Frozen and Karpoff, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm a person, and I've gotten in trouble for this, but I believe that Fisher dug Karpoff. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion if that match? would have happened
0: would you favor fisher or would you favor atoli karpov you know i'm not sure um like karpov was definitely ready with it's like such a strong arsenal of weapons uh like Fischer's Nidorf would definitely be put to the test like with karpov's bishop e2 uh developed before him by uh Smizlov and geller uh you know and that's the other thing, too. He had this whole uh, contingent of players that were working for him. Um, for instance, I'm sure you know the famous story, karpov it's uh, I forgot what game it, it was, but Karpov detonated this bomb, uh, this knight sacrifice in the open Ruy Lopez with knight g5. Uh, that was an idea, I believe, of Tal. Um And so, like, Fisher would have definitely been put to the test there. Uh, But, you know, Fisher, like, the crazy thing about the World Championship match was... Okay, he started coming out with all these openings we'd never seen him play. Like, the Peart's defense, uh, Aliakin's defense we'd seen before. But, like, we saw, I think, some English openings, um, which he had only played once before, I believe, in tournaments. And, like, he had all these other ideas, and... There's just really, like, no telling what would have happened. I mean, previously, I would have really said Fisher was the strong favorite, but uh, I'm not so sure. I don't really know that he, he was ducking Karpov uh, so much as that he might have been showing, like, some of the early signs of his uh, mental illness that would later, like, you know, over like consume uh, parts of his life.
1: Okay, that's that's a good that's a good question. That's a good. I mean, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. And another thing I had on this podcast, I got into a lot of flack for was, a lot of people told me that Kramnik, as a world champion, was overrated, and Kasparov pretty much gave him the world championship. What's your opinion on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think. Like, I, I would have been inclined to agree with that, like, several years ago, but, like, even with Kramnik's retirement, like, before before that, like, you just see, like, so much variety in Kramnik's game. Like, he, if you look at the player he was uh, throughout different periods of time, like, he has, like, reinvented himself um, almost too many times to, to count, you know? He went from the guy that was playing, like, the sharpest stuff, like, let's say, the Botvinnik variation of the Semislav or Sveshnikov or classical variations of the Sicilian to the guy that was championing the Petrov in Berlin, you know, the, the these very solid defenses uh, to E4. And so when Kasparov came up against that, it must have been very unsettling because, like, Kramnik brought out this Berlin defense, which was okay seen from uh, time to time in in practice, but not really the formidable weapon that it is today. Um, It's black. Like, I mean, who would have really thought that a defense that was topical, like in the 1890s and like early 1900s, 1890s and before to early 1900s, was like going to be the flavor of the day in 2021? You know, who would have thought? And so that was just a really good anti-Kasparov weapon, you know. Um, And Kramnik, super solid with the white pieces. Going to be very hard to win, like, on demand there if you get... uh, If Kasparov, like, gets into a bad spot with not too many games left in the match. Um, So, I mean, I think it was just, like, a bad style matchup. And Kasparov made... A few decisions, like especially in the openings, like he kept going into this Berlin endgame that Kramnik had prepared very well, because um, that was like the recommendation at the time um, to go into that endgame. Like it was thought that White is guaranteed a plus, but Kramnik and several years of subsequent practice showed that that's not really the case. And like he should have sought more complexity in the games. Like for example, d three on move four in the Berlin, like. And it, it would seem like more in Kasparov's style to try to trade uh, to avoid these like early queen trades and stuff, but um, for some reason he just wasn't doing that. Right, right, right. right.
1: So I, I like I like uh, your uh, opinions, and uh, I, I I agree with you what you said, especially the uh, Kramnik Karpov. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I did a topic on my uh checkmate double show and i just we're just kicking it as friends uh-huh. and something that i'm scared of and i'm not going to say scared as i'm afraid of and i sp- spoke on this was james Candy, and i said i believe james Candy is becoming more of a chess celebrity than a chess player and i don't want him to get caught up in the twitch youtube stuff Mm -hmm. and i want him to get more focused on becoming a title player right give me your opinion i mean because he does to me he deserves everything that you know i'm coming to him but he still has to put them like we say in detroit grown man initials behind his name Mm -hmm. do you agree or you see some points with me making that topic, and I'm just saying that as a friend.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, he Canty is is very, very nice, very pleasant. Like, I've never really had, yeah, we never had any problems. Like, any all the games we've had were very interesting, uh, you know, between us. And like, it's obvious that he, like, he wants to 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 be very like like a strong player, like a title player. But you know, the thing is, is like you're your vision for him might be different than than his vision you know um, yeah. it depends on like his day to day life um, you know the like he has to also make a living so he has to keep producing content and like that's not easy especially when chess is so visible right now you know you could go to Nakamura's channel or you could watch even some player much lower rated than uh you you know, people will, sat, like, they, they find what they like. So, he's so he's cultivating a brand, uh, which I think is awesome. Uh, that's personally something I've never really had the patience to do. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it depends. Like, your vision for him might be different for himself. And, like, if he, yeah, if he does want to become a title player, like, he, he'll decide when he wants to do it. Because, I know personally, like there have been a lot of uh, decisions I've made in my life where I was like, okay, well, this is what I want to do, but in reality, it, it wasn't. But I, I, didn't know that. I wasn't like, you know, mature enough to realize that. And so, I mean, he's he's doing his thing, and he's doing amazing. So, like, when the time is is right, like for him, and you know, everything aligns itself. Like, yeah, sure, I think he can he can do it. But you know, you have to you have to separate like your own personal bias um from like what he wants to do you know
1: cool 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 now before i let you go let's have a little fun
0: yeah any
1: hidden any hidden talents you want to let the listeners know that you know how to do like i know you're a pool player mm-hmm. if there's anything else you want to you know let the world know
0: oh man i i don't know i mean i'm like competitive at, at a lot of games, but really, like, nothing else beside it. I mean, that's why it was kind of refreshing to take a pull. Like, I I remember, I, I think I heard you say something about, like, you know, going back to this vision topic, right? Like, your vision for me was to become, like, like focused, like, solely on chess, you know? But right. the thing is, is, is with that, like, at that time, I was feeling really burnt out uh, with chess, and I couldn't give it the attention and care that it needed to. Um, and so, like, discovering pool, this other creative outlet, was really lovely because uh is a gorgeous art form that requires a lot of discipline um, to master and a lot of work. And, I mean, I'm not even close to doing that, but, um, you know, a lot of people think of it as kind of like a bar game or just something you do with, with friends, not seriously, but it's actually, like... It's really a, a gorgeous sport, and um, the guy who teaches me, uh, Larry Schwartz, he's, he's like twenty seven hundred level, I would say, understanding uh, of the game of pool, um, and like he's trained a lot of world champions in the strategy of eight ball, uh, notably Allison Fisher and Francisco Bustamante. And so when I met him, it was really a, 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 an awesome experience because. Um, I, I, like, my teaching philosophy changed a lot because of him. Like, my whole approach uh, became a lot less rigid. And, uh, yeah, it was really, like, great to meet him. And, like, I still tell him that to this day, you know, that, uh, like, what a fantastic teacher he was and really, like, a great guy.
1: Cool, cool, cool. So, pool player, are you into rap? Am I what? (laughs) Are you into rap music?
0: Huh, yeah, I was back in the day. Uh, I used to, I used to, I used to uh, mess around uh, with freestyling and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm definitely into rap music.
1: Okay, so one time I come out of Chicago, I gotta, I just keep it. I gotta hear you, you know, freestyle, because you know James Canny was a rapper for a minute. You can go look up. Oh YouTube man, I
0: think I, I vaguely, <laughs> vaguely remember that. I yeah, I hope nobody goes digging for for my old stuff although I think it's (laughs) I think it might must be archived but yeah I mean to be honest I'm like (laughs) I'm kind of weird like that I don't I'm a bit self-conscious like freestyling so like uh you know Michael Audger uh Akash and Max like they're even William Aramill they're they're like much more uh willing to put themselves out there when they're freestyling but uh me i'm just kind of like listening and like writing my own lyrics like to me that's that's more interesting than the performing aspect of it but maybe if i was better at that uh you know like i i would be more into it like that's a skill you definitely have to train to think on your feet like that sweet sweet so i'm gonna ask you
1: two more questions because i appreciate the podcast and I'm going to uh, let you go. Like I said, I
0: appreciate you. Yeah, again. take it's yeah, awesome. take your time. Um, also, sorry to inter- interrupt, but if I could make a short announcement at some at the end, I have a special, uh, little something I want to talk about. This project that I have. Okay, oh, that's yeah, okay. Most
1: definitely, most, most definitely, you, for sure, for sure, anything. Thank you. Uh, back to chess. Yep. Magnus Carlson, right? Mm-hmm. How long? Do you think he's going to be world champion with all these new young and upcoming chess players with all the internet and engines and how long can we see a 20 year run for Magnus? I mean, can we, I mean, how long, long can he continue his dominance?
0: I mean, yeah, we, we could see it like, uh, so, it will be like eight years this year, right? Um, I believe so. Yeah, so 2013 was the first World Championship, but yeah, I think so. And so he, uh, it's it's hard to say. Like, I think he could at least uh, match Kasparov's like 15 years. Like, why not? Um, and he's young. He's in he's in, he's in good health, but. Uh, I, I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, he's been struggling, I think, uh, he's alluded to, like, with lack of motivation in, um, you know, with, with recent events and, like, underperforming to most people's standards. But, I mean, you know, finishing, like... I mean, that's just because he maybe didn't get first or something. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I think he's... he's just such a great universal player and he has a lot of skills that are kind of uh, really like when you get higher rated in chess um, you find like the further you climb it the harder and harder it is to improve and that's because the improvement becomes so much more nuanced you know if it was so easy everybody would become you know really good overnight and continue Mm -hmm. to be that way until you get to, you know, GM level 26, 27, 2800 and beyond, you know? But um, a lot of the skills he he has, they're they're really uh, built for the modern era, like playing equal positions um, and like grinding in endgames, the stamina is very good. Uh, The opening preparation too. uh, He's got a lot of young and dynamic people that he's working with, so uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, with that kind of arsenal uh, at your disposal, like, really, there's no telling uh, what he could do.
1: Okay, and to pick off that, uh, me and my friend had an argument about this, and he told me that he believes when it comes to who's the strongest player in the world, he believes that is Fabiano and Magnus, and his argument is, Fabiano drew arm. All- drew all his games against Magnus in the World Championship. He only lost when they went to the Blitz tiebreak. Mm-hmm. So, arguably, he's, you see what I'm saying? Class. Yeah, classically,
0: it's not inferior.
1: Yeah, so do you agree with that you know, argument? My friends argue me with that all the time. He say, if Magnus the strongest player in the world, and they played 12 games and all the games was a draw, and he only lost in the Blitz Right, I can't say that you know what I'm saying. He's to me one, you know,
0: one and one eight. Well, here's the thing: like when you, okay, so I think the world championship match really should be longer, um, and especially like when you're at that high level. Like they're really, like it's a shame to have just a single set of games. You know, like I've. I was listening to um, a different podcast the other day uh, by a pool player named uh, Justin Bergman. Uh, He was being interviewed. Justin Bergman is probably one of my favorite players in the U.S. Um, And, okay, it's different in pool because, like, let's say you and me were playing in a tournament, right? And we were playing, like, race to 12. So first to win 12 games. I mean, it's, it's really brutal because, you know, there's only... We only have that sample size now. Granted, these guys are slugging it out like you know a game a day, like it's really intense. And you have the rest breaks and everything. But he brought up an interesting point that uh, some of the the best, like I mean, for professionals, they should be playing a race to twenty one in a tournament. But obviously, due to time constraints, we can't uh, we can't really do that. And so we've seen in pool. The, some of the best uh, matches are these long races that take place over multiple days, like first to 120. Um, there was a really awesome match that took place the other uh, recently between Shane Van Boning, the US's top player, and uh, Dennis Orculio, probably uh, one of the best, like especially for when it comes to money. And it came down to 119, 119, and Dennis mm-hmm. uh, won, or Dennis Orculio won. And so if we think back to like some of the most epic world championship matches like Kasparov-Karpov, you know, the boarded match in 1984. I mean, that was pretty ridiculous, but like what a story that was for Kasparov to be like a step away, like just a game away from losing, but like clawing his way back to three to five and then the match gets aborted, you know? But he, Mm. in the meantime, he underwent this, like, transformation, um, because, like, he realized that he couldn't, like, he wasn't prepared for the mental stress of a world championship match. He couldn't just, uh, take Karpov by storm like he did the rest of the chess world. Um, and so he had to kind of, uh, hunker down and he, there was this period of, like, boring draws, but you know he had to do that to prove that he could play like in karpov style um because he couldn't successfully impose his own style and then that Mm -hmm. gives them time to you know patch up some valuable opening ideas and stuff so i mean when we how like with carlson caruana what was it like 12 games yeah i believe so Yes. yeah so i mean it should be a bit longer like i was talking a friend of mine who's a a GM and he was saying it's a bit too cushy you know with like rest days uh, like too many rest days for example I could could maybe agree with that but I I think there should be more games because it it does seem a little silly right the classical world championship should be decided like that uh, in classical games but but yeah like Caruana stood pretty tall in that match I, I do have to I mean I have to agree with you you know
1: okay 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 so going forward in your chess career coaching screaming uh writing books Mm -hmm. what's the plan for GoPal?
0: well this actually ties into my uh (laughs) to my little announcement that i wanted to make um so right now, I mean, I'm I'm coaching coaching privately, of course. Uh, work with uh, Whitney Young High School and Walter Payton High School. Whitney Young just got their uh, just uh, they won the state championship recently, the IHSA state championship. So I'm very proud of them. Congratulations! Thank you. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, apart from the teaching, I mean, I would love to play some tournaments. I'm not really playing. A lot of tournaments, I haven't played any like chess tournaments online, like any of the CCA events or anything like that, just because they're like just the prevalence of online cheating kind of uh, turns me off. And plus, I mean, I just can't sit in front of my computer to play like a 75 minute game, like 10 or 15 minutes is bad enough, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the kind of player that is always walking around when it's not his turn to move, so... Uh, yeah, the to play the tournament act the full classical tournament game online seems a bit too much. Um, but I am uh working on something really exciting in that I'm writing a book right now. Sweet, yeah, sweet, yeah. The book is on uh opening preparation. Um, it's gonna, it's really like it was born because like I, I'm a big Connoisseur of chess books, I, I have a list on Reddit that you can look up uh, of recommendations for all parts of chess, like opening, middle game, end game. Like some of my favorite books, and I give like little mini reviews about why I love them so much. Um, and I've always been obsessed with filling in gaps of existing literature. Like I always thought the the coolest part of chess improvement was when you learned something and. You can't easily qualify like what it is and it's just it's the, the information that's not in the books you know right and so i want to provide that kind of unique glance uh at chess opening preparation uh just a different way to look at the opening while also like kind of giving away i'll be giving away some uh some novelties, some secrets there and uh kind of I would say the book was also inspired by, uh, one of my favorite books of all time, uh, Under the Surface by Jan Marcos, uh, where he has these essays on chess strategy, where he just kind of rethinks traditional chess strategy. Like there are concepts that you, uh, know and could explain, uh, or you maybe were not like aware of before, but he puts them in a, in a way that's very charming and, uh, in definitely an unforgettable way. Uh, And, like, very great book. And one of my favorites uh, that I've read in the last, like, four years, for sure. Sweet. Let me write that down Under the surface. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, recommended to, like, any ambitious player. You know, it reads super easy, and, like, I I read it, I probably read it in a day, I think. And, like, every time I read through that book, I, I get something new, you know? And that's, to me, that's a great. That's like one of the best qualities a chess book could have.
1: Sweet. So, so it sounds like you may be going the uh, Roman way. We may get the Go series with the chessboard <laughs>
0: YouTube videos. Is that
1: is that is that yeah is that coming
0: next. You know, yeah, I'd have to gain. I don't know, like seventy more pounds. Uh, <laughs> you know, I could, you know, go to get. I could do a little bit of. Uh, background research at washington square park kind of like we those days of roman uh but you know real talk those those uh those dvds and stuff there they were like really, really cool to watch like uh you know when i was a kid and that like that was kind of one of the yeah i mean they they always got me enthusiastic whether or not i enjoyed like whatever opening or something he was covering but but you know I, we'll see like right now i just want to work on this book and then we'll kind of see if, where it goes from there, I mean, I would like to play some tournaments, uh, pandemic notwithstanding. So, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for that. And I've been studying chess every day, you know, just. uh Oh,
1: that's scary. That sounds scary for the competition. You study in chess every day. That's going to put some fear in some people's hearts.
0: Well, it hasn't scared a lot of people then. So hopefully in the future, it might. So. <laughs> <laughs> sweet and before I
1: let you go I'm gonna say one thing about the Roman I love them videos but his accent was so thick I just couldn't about 15 minutes I was just done with him
0: yeah I mean but okay that's to me that's kind of uh that's what made him so endearing and so unique and like you wouldn't forget him uh if it weren't you know like that just made sure you know you didn't forget him so um uh, yeah, I really love those those videos too. Like he he had one I I know with uh, Karpov. I think mm-hmm. they were talking about uh, just Karpov was analyzing some some of the openings that Roman favors, like Scotch Gambit and Accelerated Dragon and stuff like that. And just seeing how casually Karpov analyzes and thinks, it was it was really cool. You know, uh, he he was on to the the right thing. It's just unfortunately, I guess now. There's so much more information on YouTube. Uh, it's kind of a shame, but uh, that those. I mean, I, I mean, it's really hard to, to state how awesome those DVDs were back in the day. You know. Trust me, I I know.
1: Uh, every tournament, I was getting the VHS, was What they was about 1995. Yeah. <laughs> Ram, <laughs> my grandma, mom broke, and my chess coach is broke getting them. I still got a box, at least about, oh, yeah. I'd say about 15 on them but uh, I appreciate you you just don't know like having you on this podcast I feel like it made me legit in the chess world you know what I'm saying oh please
0: thank (laughs) you man it's really sweet (laughs)
1: you know what I'm saying I think it was dope I want to say much success for you and your chess career when you get your book I'm probably going to be buy about three, four, five copies (laughs) thanks uh, man uh, shout out like I said to you and your boy Kosh for coming on I appreciate both of y'all I look forward to seeing y'all post-COVID when this stuff over in Chicago you know Detroit always come down and uh maybe we could get some games over the board you know you probably beat all on me but it's all in good fun bro
0: for sure man it was it was lovely yeah it, yeah it was awesome to be uh on this podcast finally and hopefully you know like Akash will make uh multiple appearances so
1: <laughs> yes sir yes sir thanks bro be safe enjoy your day and uh, I hope you're not a Chicago Bulls fan because they're horrible this year.
0: Because I hate to, I, I, man. I don't I don't care about sports. Only Q sports. That's it.
1: <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. Take and care, and man. Enjoy your day.
0: Hey you too, man. Peace. Peace.